Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, cervical spine and shoulder issues, and also they're linked to cardiovascular problems. Now, this is hugely important because when you look at the heart, um, our, our entire medical system is broken up into different individual specialists. Like you have the cardiovascular specialist, you have the um, head neck surgeon, you have the endocrinologist. The problem is these people don't tie it all in. Now, when you're looking at um, cardiovascular problems, the heart has two nerve systems. One is parasympathetic, and that comes out of the base of the neck, um, or actually the base of the skull. The other one is the sympathetic, and that comes out of the top of the rib cage area, your thoracic area. So if you have an alteration in that, you're going to have alteration in function, and that's, that's 100% out of 100%. But let's look at the stuff that goes on with the neck. You've got a 93% chance um, that if you're having a headache, it's coming from the neck. Carpal tunnel syndrome begins in the neck. Rotator cuff problems, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, asthma, breathing issues. Um, and, and again, the tachycardia, bradycardia, you know, fast heart rate, slow heart rate, all of those conditions can be coming from the neck. Now, um, so when you look at this, let's just take headaches. I mean, you've got a 93% chance that headaches are coming from the neck. You've got a 6% chance that they're coming from toxicities like alcohol, drugs, dehydration. And you got one-tenth of one percent that they could become from an other cause or tumors. So if you have a headache, find the problem and fix it. And we've got a number of different ways to assess it. Like if you were to squeeze your head um, on both, you know, from the front and back and, and squeeze it together, if that decreases the symptom, then you know sinuses. So it could be a leaky gut or it could still be coming from the neck, making those mucous membranes in the sinuses more sensitive. If it's a headache over one eye, then that's a referred trigger point headache also coming from the neck. And there's ways that you can get the neck curve back that we're going to go over. But just think basic common sense. Um, if you're sitting at a kitchen counter, if you're sitting at a table or a desk, put your elbows on the counter, put your thumbs underneath your chin, and lift your chin to the ceiling. Not pull it back so you're passively getting that curve back in the neck. Because the curve in the neck, I'm telling you, is the arc of life. The arc of life. And that's, that's actually the name of my boat, ARC. Although I have an advanced restorative clinic, because that is, I mean, we get patients on there, and it is amazing. So let's look to see if you have an, a normal or an abnormal posture. When you're standing up straight, chin's level, okay, so your palate is level, uh, your ear should be in line with your shoulder. If your head is forward, for every one inch forward head carries, the pressure of the discs double. And so that means if you have one or two inches of forward head carriage, you're talking 20, 30, even 40 pounds of pressure on the base of the neck because the average head weighs around 12 to 15 pounds. Now, the muscles that run down either side of the spine are postural muscles. They're not under, under conscious control. They're under proprioceptive control. So these muscles, for every one inch that heads forward, they're going to fire off to pull that head back into alignment. And that's hugely important because what do most people do when they see a, a tight muscle? 
they go in there and try and loosen it up. However, if you have forward head carriage and those muscles are screaming to reposition the head and you loosen them up or relax them, which way is that head going to fall? Bam, further forward. Uh, so find out why the muscles are tight. Um, we're going to go into a couple of different patients uh, who had Parkinson's. And what you'll typically see with Parkinson's is there's going to be a loss of that arc of life, and the head is going to be massively forward. Why? Because um, 9 out of 10 Parkinson's patients had an incident of trauma within 10 years of getting that Parkinson's diagnosis. Why? What happens? So the arc of life is lost. Uh, pressure on the brain stem is increased. That decreases the flow of cerebral spinal fluid, which is how the brain gets its nutrients. That's right. See, the brain, there's a barrier between the blood and the brain. It's called the blood-brain barrier. I know. How creative are they? So <laughs> when you look at this, um, that fluid is produced by this choroid plexus in the middle of the brain, and it goes around the whole brain and gives nutrients to the brain, and then it flows down the neck into the spinal cord. And this is cerebral spinal fluid that gives nutrients to the entire brain and spinal cord. The problem is, if there's a loss of curve in the neck, there's a constriction of that. It's called stenosis. And that means that the fluid can't flow down. If the fluid can't flow down the brain because of a loss of curve in the neck, uh, then the brain can't get a good nutrient flow. So then placking and develop. Uh, there'll be inflammation of the meninges and uh, around the brain. You'll feel it particularly on the middle of the brain, right in the middle of your skull, going a couple inches back from the frontal bone in the front. I mean, talking right down the middle. If you feel a hot spot, you're going to feel a ridge there because that's the ridge between the two um, plates of the skull on either side, the parietals. There's a suture in there called the sagittal suture. And if you feel heat, swollen, or tenderness, you got to figure you probably have loss of curve in the neck and pressure's building up. So that's something that you've got to get checked. Now, this is not just old people. We're talking uh, kids, children today, have so many damaging effects on them. Um, like yesterday, I got a, a gal who I haven't seen in a couple of years. She got pregnant. And she has a scoliosis, and she asked if she could give natural birth. And I said, sure you can. Yeah, you know, because we're looking at her. Her pelvis is in good shape. Her lumbar is in good shape. It's just a, a small thoracic scoliosis. And uh, it, she's wearing a mask. And I said, well, you know, why are you wearing a mask? Well, you know, that's, I'm, I'm, we're supposed to. And people will get flustered when you ask them, why are you wearing a mask? And I said, now make sure you don't get the TBT shot or the flu shot. Oh, I just got those. Now think of this. There's no pregnant animal studies that show that a vaccine is safe or effective. Um, and when you go in and you start putting multiple inflammatory um, uh, chemicals inside, because they do trigger an inflammatory response, a TH2 response, in somebody that's grown a kid, Without a good study on it, that's uh, that's not not good in science. So, but there's a lot of bad doctors out there that will think that this is an appropriate response. So, um, you know, rethink that. The doctor might not be the best source of information um, because they are trained by the pharmaceutical industry. 
so this this gal she's going to probably end up having a hospital birth and you know fully vaccinated and her kid will have a 1 in 28 chance of developing autism which we can avoid but kids will go through trauma too ear infections that is not an infection at least 97% of the time it's an ear effusion that means that if you compromise the neck it leads to a dysfunction of the soft palate and just think of this if you're there swallow do you hear a crackling in your ears? Yeah, you did, because you flexed the soft palate and you opened up the eustachian tube. If you swallowed and you didn't hear a crackling in the ears, then either your eustachian tube is perfectly open or you've got an upper cervical problem and it's not draining. Now let's look at the base of the neck. There's a, a nerve plexus called the brachial plexus, and this is a group of nerves, uh, and it goes from C5 down to T1, and these nerves, they're fantastic. They supply the whole arm, shoulder, everything. And these are all the nerves. The problem is if you have forward head carriage or some kind of trauma, it's going to damage one of those nerves. But now let's look at, at the shoulder because the shoulder is hugely important when we're talking neck and shoulder. Rotator cuff problems. Now you've got um, the humerus, which is the arm bone, held in a socket by muscles called rotators. Now, the rotator cuff muscles, you've got um, supraspinatus, and this is a muscle attached to the scapula, the, the big wedge bone that you have on the back. Infraspinatus, which is uh, a muscle right below this dividing line of the scapula. You've got subscapularis that's underneath that, and then you've got teres minor. Now, all of these together are rotator cuff, but their job is to suck this head of the humerus inside of the socket. Now, the most commonly injured muscle is the supraspinatus. Why? Because when you look at this, the head, if the, you got forward head carriage, you have an outlet to the thorax, and it goes from the, the rib cage area where your heart is, and it has arteries that come out and supply that arm. Well, if your head's forward, you're shutting off of that. So the most, the most easily injured muscle is the one at the top of the rotator cuff muscles or the supraspinatus. So people with rotator cuff injuries are always going to say, oh, yeah, it's the supraspinatus. And I can say, yep. Um, and they'll say it's totally torn, and it is not totally torn. Why? Because the rotator cuff muscle, the supraspinatus, moves the arm from 0 to 15 degrees. Beyond 15 degrees, then this big muscle on top called the deltoid takes over. So I'll have somebody hold their elbow tight to their rib cage. And I'll hold my hand right next to it and say, push against it. And if they have strength against it, most people do, I'll say, well, your supraspinatus isn't totally torn. Um, it's still functioning. And describe to it how it's the first 15 degrees of motion. Now, there's ways to change this um, rotator cuff. In fact, there's a socket there that you can reform the labrum. But by gosh, you can't do anything on the shoulder. You can't do any repair or any shoulder work until you restore that forward head carriage. Why? Because that forward head carriage, if it's forward, you're shutting out the blood supply and nerve supply. You reposition or get that curve back in the neck, then you have healthy nerve supply and blood supply. A great article at a Journal of Orthopedic Sports and Physical Therapy. Um, the title of the article is Posture in Patients with Shoulder Overuse Injuries in Healthy Patients. 
and they said forward head posture was significantly greater in the patient um, than in the healthy group. No other postural variables were related, and uh, <laughs> I love this because this um, article goes on to state, yeah, sure, we saw a lot of forward head posture, uh, but the conclusion is, regarding the influence of posture to shoulder injury, are inconclusive based on several confounding variables that may have affected the outcome. Absolutely. Confounding variables because they're not looking at the real problem. I mean, when we look at the Mayo Clinic, they say shoulder pain and impingement. A forward hunch posture can also cause these tendons to become pinched. Uh, eventually, this can lead to a tear in the rotator cuff tissue. A more serious injury can cause significant pain and limit your ability. Of course, because you've got this humerus being held in a socket, and the nerves that supply that whole shoulder structure come out of the base of the neck. Now what happens is that shoulder is held into a socket, and the socket is called the labrum. And one of the tendons of the biceps, by means two, so your muscle on the front, it attaches to the top part of the labrum. And what happens, if your head is forward, all of these tendons, tendons surround a joint. Now, tendons are also surrounded by bursa sacs because that tendon is going to be rubbing up against the joint. And so this bursa sac is filled with a superfiltrate of blood called a bursa fluid. And so if your head is forward, you're shutting off the blood supply and nerve supply to that area. You're going to decrease the fluid inside of those bursa sacs, which will cause those tendons to rub together, inflaming it. And this is where bursitis comes from. Bursitis comes from lack of blood flow to the joints, um, causing the, the fluid inside of those bursa sacs to get compressed. So bursitis means lack of fluid going to the joint, uh, lack of fluid going to that bursa sac. So the way to correct it um, would be to restore the blood supply. And I'll sh show you a quick trick on how to do that. And this is why when ignorant but well-meaning doctors say put ice on bursitis because it feels good, yeah, except you're perpetuating the problem. You already got a joint with less blood flow. What you can do is put heat on there, and heat is going to rush blood to the area, increase synovial fluid production, increase bursa fluid production, and feel better. But it's only a temporary fix. The real fix for shoulder injuries is to restore the curve in the neck, and then you can reform that labrum, the socket that holds that humerus. Another article at a, a journal of shoulder and elbow surgery, uh, titled the article is Semicrobial Impingement Syndrome and the Role of Postural Muscle Imbalance. And the literature, suge literature suggests that postural deviations associated with forward head posture follow distinct patterns and increase thoracic kyphosis angles in a downwardly rotated anterior lifted protracted scapula, leading to increased compression of the subacromial space. In English, that means that forward head carriage is damaging the structures at the base of the neck that supply the shoulder. Duh, no kidding. And this is why rotator cuff repairs, you're talking over half of the time, 57% of rotator cuff injuries or surgeries have to be repeated. Why? Because they, they don't fix the problem that caused it. So, and, 
Yeah, that's right. Can you imagine doing a surgery on an area that has compromised blood supply and nerve supply? No, that would be crazy. Um, so, so when we look at this, the 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 real factors of failed rotator cuff are cervical spine pathology and radiculopathy. What that means is that you've got a patient with the head forward in compromised nerve supply or blood supply. So bursitis, you have got to use heat, not ice, to fix it, and you've got to restore the forward head carriage. So let's look at other bursitis, such as bursitis of the elbow. And that's huge because the, the electronon bursa, um, this thing can swell and inflame. And if you put heat on it, it can be more uncomfortable. But what happens is, remember, think of this. You've got a bursa sac that needs a flow of blood flow to it. So if you have blood flow flowing into it, beautiful. You've got good blood flow. But if it's not flowing out of it, it means that there is, a, a, think of like clogged valves. So you get a superfiltrate of blood to create this burst of fluid, but it's not draining. So when you get something like that, you've got to create a back pressure. And this is where um, a compression sock or an ACE bandage or something to create a, 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 a contra pressure or a pressure on that joint to allow the, the valves inside of that bursa sac to be cleaned out. It's kind of like if you have a stuck straw, you want to increase the pressure to blow out whatever is stuck in the straw. And, and that's ideal. Now, what's tough is you'll see calcific tendinosis or tendinitis. And this means long-term damage of the tendons. And you'll see it on x-ray. Now, what idiot doctors will say, bad doctors, they'll say, oh, there's bone spurs. There's a bunch of calcium in there. We've got to clean it up, clean up the joint. Well, where does it form from? See, a ligament is very expensive material. It takes a huge amount of amino acids to get that ligament because you're looking at strong and flexible. Now, if you have a chronic inflammatory problem or chronic um, blood pressure issues because the head's forward or long-term pathology, um, that right there is going to be a huge factor in the body reproducing that tissue. So it, and here, think of this. So if you have um, compromised blood supply and nerve supply and you're trying to build a strong, flexible ligament, but this ligament has to work beyond its design capabilities, where it's got to be more st for stability and less for flexibility. So the body's going to replace that expensive, flexible, strong matrix with an osseous matrix. It's called ossification. And this is what happens. It's not some weird body laying down calcific deposits. It's a body trying to reproduce its material with um, cheaper materials. Okay, so it's trying to reproduce those ligaments with um, an unhealthy, unhealthy, um, uh, let's go unhealthy response. Okay, does that make sense? Now, um, when, here, I'm just fixing this. Okay, also, when you're looking at shoulder dynamics, shoulder biomechanics, you have 18 muscles that hold the shoulder against the wall of the rib cage wall and one bony attachment that's the clavicle so you have this huge huge effect on on the body 
if there's a change in that ribcage area, obviously there's going to change in that scapula gliding up and down. The biggest challenge, though, is the top of that thoracic area, the top of that ribcage area. That's the start of the sympathetic nervous system. It's also the sympathetic nerve supply to the heart. So when you see a lateral deviation like that, you've got to know that there is some type of um, cardiac event going on or alterations in the nerves that supply the heart function. So how do you restore? How can you reshape the labrum? And this is huge. Number one, you've got to restore the arc of life, that curve in the neck. Number two, you've got to get a weight. And this is going to be a weight to hang that shoulder straight down. Why? Because that weight is going to open up that, um, that joint and it's going to start to reform the labrum. But you, what you want to do is you have a weight. And this is going to be pretty significant, between 5 and 10 pounds. If you've got a big arm, you know, look at 20 pounds. But you want to have enough weight to open up that socket. But then you just want to dangle it. Now, this is a ligamentous-based exercise where you're just going to move your, your it, I always call it butt to belly. So your hand is only going to swing passively to the butt area and passively to the belly area. Now, your right hand's going to go forward, your left hand's going to go back, because even if you have a problem with one shoulder, this is going to be um, resetting both of them. And when you're doing this, your chin has to be elevated. And that is the best way to reform a labrum. And you literally will see that work. Now, um, when we look at some of the insane stuff that, that people will, will uh, try... Uh, is they'll do full range of motion with the shoulder distorted. That is insane. They'll have all sorts of things where the shoulder can move up and down and around. Do not do that. Um, you have got to get an x-ray and a stress x-ray um, to get the body working. So the things that not to do to get your shoulder better, number one, no end range of motion or abduction or flexion exercises if your labrum, the socket, is unstable. That's just smart. You have to make sure that that socket that holds that shoulder is in place and stable. So do no shoulder rehab. This means no supraspinatus or rotator cuff exercises um, without restoring the cervical and thoracic corrections. You've got to fix that. You have got to fix forward head carriage before you do anything on the shoulder. And Ice, rarely. You want to use moist heat to eliminate it. But also, look at the drugs that are used. I figure most drugs for shoulder pain, elbow pain, wrist pain are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Well, that destroys the building block of cartilage, and you've got cartilage around every one of those joints. So that's a foolish approach. Um, pain relievers that are natural, like curcumin, juicing, blending, omega-3s, fantastic. Now, let's look at carpal tunnel. And let's look at your forearm. If you hold your arm straight out, you know, let's say your elbow's been at 90 degrees, you've got muscles on the inside of the arm. Those are called flexors. Muscles on the outside of the arm called extensors. Now, you should have a 5 to 4 ratio, where the muscles that squeeze or close that hand are almost as strong as the muscles that extend that hand. Now, what happens, though, in our modern society, we're always typing, grabbing something. We're doing the work in the flexors a whole bunch, but we're not working the extensors a whole bunch. So you have a muscle imbalance. 
and this this increase of flexor tone can flatten out this tunnel called the carpal tunnel, and that's where a nerve is. Now that's hugely important because the compression of that medium nerve uh, means that there is a problem with the with the carpal tunnel, and but that usually is a muscle imbalance coming stemming from the neck. Now, so when we're looking at carpal tunnel, um, there's a couple of things that you do. Number one, you've got to restore the nerve supply and blood supply to that area. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to get the neck curve working back. But one of the rehabs for this will recommend a rubber band. And, and I know it sounds weird, but a rubber band, number 32 rubber band, going around the outside of the fingers. So put your hand like a flower bud, or all your fingers are together and your hands closed. Then you turn it into a claw, like you're going to scare small children. So your fingers are out like you're going to scratch somebody. And that rubber band should still be on the outside of the fingers, on the distal or furthest aspect of the fingers. So flower bud to claw, flower bud to claw. And using just a simple number 32 rubber band, you're going to start to correct the muscle imbalance. But you've got to do it again with that neck up, up. So you're actually looking above. Um, you know, your chin's elevated, so you're restoring the blood supply, nerve supply, if you have forward head carriage. Um, and also, if you have pain in that hand that it wakes you up at night, uh, electric tape is probably the best number one thing to use. But what you're going to do is you put your pinky and thumb together. Um, so you're just flexing your hand. That actually creates a tunnel right where the carpal tunnel is. And if you use electric tape, and I'm talking just one little band around the base of the bones of the hand, which are called metacarpals, and, and just put one layer of tape there, what that will do, that will form that hole where the tunnel is. Fantastic. It works amazing. Um, and you can type and do whatever you want to it. This, but this is a stopgap measure. You will not need that electrical tape on um, for very long because by restoring the curve of the neck and restoring the muscle imbalance of the forearm, the carpal tunnel symptoms are going to go away very, very quickly. Uh, the problem is the majority of people ignore, and I'm talking doctors, ignore that there's a problem in the neck or forward head carriage contributing to the muscle imbalance and and the symptoms of the forearm. So if you're not correcting the neck, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to put a brace on the wrist. So if you see someone walking around with a brace on and they say it's for carpal tunnel, they have bad doctor syndrome for sure. Um, so you tell them, get rid of the brace, show them what the electric tape does, put them, um, get them on the rubber band, and send them to the corrective chiropractor so they can get their neck fixed. I know it just makes sense. But now let's look at the cardiovascular problem because this is huge. Um, when we're looking at the neck, the base of the neck um, is sitting right on top of the thoracic area. T1 through T4, and those are the nerves that supply the sympathetic nerve supply to the heart. The parasympathetic nerve supply to the heart comes out of the base of the skull. So this neck, if that head is forward, the muscles that support that skull are stopping right in between the shoulder blades. So if you have forward head posture, 
um, tight shoulders, in between the shoulders is bugging you, and you have uh, cardiac arrhythmias, guess what? You have a structural problem with a cardiac symptom. That's right, a structural problem with a cardiac symptom. But again, we're in a stupid, disjointed medical system that no one is looking at the whole picture. If you have a neck pain, you go to the physical therapist or you get a drug or a shot. And if you have a cardiovascular problem, then you go to the cardiologist. But he's not going to take an x-ray of you. He's just going to give you a drug to balance out the autonomic function. Well, what drug did they give you? Typically, it's a beta blocker. Okay, you might say, well, what does that do? Well, a beta blocker blocks the sympathetic nerve supply to the heart, so it means that the nerves that supply the heart are compromised or not functioning well. Just think of this. Okay, has your arm ever fallen asleep? Of course it has. What's it feel like when it starts to come back? Oh, it's all pins and needly. That's because when you compromise the nerve, it gets more sensitive. That means that if you compromise that nerve, and that nerve happens to be the sympathetic nerve supply to the heart, you are not going to get a normal rate and rhythm. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because there's a lot of articles out there. Um, one of them, an article from Journal of Manipulative and Physiologic Therapeutics, Effects of Chiropractic Treatment on Blood Pressure and Anxiety, a randomized control trial. There's another one out of the Journal of Human Hypertension. And that showed that not only get this, the blood pressure, the adjustment was more effective than two blood pressure drugs and lasted two months, and they only gave them two adjustments. So getting the nerve supply to the heart to function correctly, turns out the heart functions correctly. The key of this, we're going to cover a lot of different cases tonight, explain how breathing and how the whole body works, how the neck is super important. Um, the basic lining or the basic line is your body is intelligent. It gives symptoms for a reason. If you do not address the reason that those symptoms are presented and you just deal with the symptoms by taking a toxic chemical called a prescription or an over-the-counter, uh, the outcome is not good. Do not ignore your body. Treat it like it's built by God and it will last you a lifetime. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.